they've been called the greatest generation, the men and women who bravely served in World War II. On this episode of Spartan Chat, we have a we have the great honor and privilege of speaking with one of these heroes. Joining us today is Mr. Jerry Lee Taylor. Mr. Taylor, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to speak with us. That's quite all right. Well, let's get started. First, we'd love to hear about when you joined the service and why you wanted to serve. Can you tell us about that? Well, to start with, uh, I guess it would be the best way to go. I was at the local theater watching a movie with some friends. When the show was over, we came out. The streets were full of people from Chicago and all over hawking newspapers about Pearl Harbor being bombed. And it it just stunned us all that uh, to think that such a thing could happen. And I had a brother that uh, wanted to be in the Marine Corps. And I got a hold of him. He was old enough. He enjoyed. And when the uh, time came, I turned 17. I started working toward getting up into the Marine Corps, things that I thought I needed to do, and talk it over with my parents and so on. My dad was in the Army in World War One, so I had some military information. And uh, so when I turned, just before I turned 18, another fellow from Sycamore and I went into Chicago and uh, took physicals, got in the Marine Corps, was transferred immediately to to Paris Island, South Carolina, for our basic training. And from uh, then, it was just uh, a lot of... uh, military uh, experts uh, talking to us, telling us about this, that, and everything else, what what to look out for, what to be f- prepared for. And uh, then uh, they started transferring out. We called, they were called ATs, uh, waiting transfer. And the kid that enlisted with me was sent to Panama Canal. I thought, well, you're a lucky guy. Here I am, still sitting on Paris Island. And then I bumped into another kid from Sycamore. His, his dad was one of the big wheels at Ideal Industries. And uh, he got the basic training finished. We sent to Tenzing, China on a replacement. I thought, again, there you go. What am I doing wrong? Well, it turned out I wasn't doing anything wrong. I... Uh, I'd been trying to get into transportation because I was a mechanic for my dad at that time when I enlisted. So I got uh, paperwork going, and they said, uh, you're not going to get into transportation no matter what you do. We're going to start a new unit called the 1st Special Marine Brigade Quick Strike Force. <laughs> Excuse me. And so started January 1st of 46, I was put into that new unit, and it was extensive uh, training from trench digging trenches to uh, paratroopers to amphibious landings and uh, 
So we were transferred immediately to uh, to uh, Guantanamo, Cuba, and uh, had a little war training down there. From there, we were sent out. Uh, they were expecting a, an uprising in the Dominican Republic, where we had St. Thomas Island was uh, one of our bases for the Marine Navy and the Air Force, all to fly in and out of. And uh, the election was over. The communists lost the election, so they transferred us in over to Puerto Rico. And uh, we had little special guard duty and things down to that particular area. Uh, and then was sent back to the States I was in Brooklyn Navy Yard for a few weeks, and uh, then we headed south to Moorhead City, North Carolina, where we got off the ship and got on a bus back to Camp Lejeune, and um, was at Camp Lejeune for two or three months, and that was time to release me from active duty. So I got released from active duty was uh, put on 24-hour recall, was recalled for Korea service May 15th of 1950. And uh, I uh, passed a physical there. And then, uh, of course, I was married by then and had two kids. And they said, well, you can't go because of your marriage situation but you're still on 24-hour recall, and uh, here I am. I'm, I'm legally blind. Uh, my hearing is gone from uh, 746 spec number as automatic weapons, and uh, I'm 96 years old now, and uh, just, well, I'm tired, I guess. Uh, time, time to slow down. That's really interesting. Can you tell us more about the different kinds of training and responsibilities you had in the Marine Corps? Well, the first thing was uh, we got off the train at uh, what they call Beaufort, South Carolina. Everybody else says Beaufort. It's false spelled the same way. We laughed and joked about it. We got cussed out by the drill instructor a few times, and... Uh, was assigned certain duties, uh, locations for us to to set up, and uh, then about a week later, I we got organized and uh, acquainted with Paris Island, and uh, then we started uh, the training there. Marching was one of the biggest things. We were known as the Triple Nickel, uh, five fifty five platoon. That's where the triple nickel came from. And we won honors uh, with our marching outfit until we uh, would go into the field on different drilled, different things to look out for, how to dig foxholes and so on and so forth. And had a rifle inspection every day where we dismantled a rifle and, and learned to do it with a blindfold over our eyes, put it back together again. So uh, you never know what 
where you're going to be or what's going to happen, so you want a clean rifle. And then uh, we were sent uh, out to the rifle range uh, where we did a lot of target practice. I wound up uh, as a sharpshooter with a pretty good record on uh, my handling of the rifle. Then they transferred me to a, a, another type of rifle uh, called the BAR. That was uh, automatic rifle. I held 25 uh, shells in a, in a clip, and I fired uh, Coast Expert on that one. So I was made uh, assistant to the routing automatic rifle carrier. I carried the ammunition, he carried the rifle. And then we went through some uh, area that was similar to jungle-type warfare in the Pacific. And I suppose jungle is jungle where it's at. But uh, we got uh, pretty well along with that. I got a telephone, well, not a telephone call. I got a message from my folks that my brother had died. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I came home on an emergency furlough, was home for two weeks, got back to camp for another two weeks, got another message. My grandmother passed away. They sent me home again for two weeks. I got back to camp, and we were loading up to go to Guantanamo because they were expecting a Dominican Republic warfare if uh, the communists won the election. And um, just before being sent home, I, I had gone through paratrooper training and jumping off of high buildings and things like that uh, to get some of the experience and feeling. And... Uh, when I got back to camp, we we started loading our airplanes. I flew down to Guantanamo, Cuba, and uh, was there a few days, boarded ship, and then uh, went out and stood off the coast of the Dominican Republic waiting to see what the election was going to be or how it turned out. And uh, it turned out that the uh, communists lost the election, so... Uh, we pulled up anchor and they t took us over to Puerto Rico and uh, they taught us on amphibious landing then. Amphibious landing, we had uh, a ship, APD, Auxiliary Patrol Destroyer, that uh, was named the Odom and uh, APD-70. And uh, we went over uh, rope ladders, big cargo nets they used for rope ladders and boarded uh, LCVP, landing craft vehicle personnel, and uh, started a rendezvous going in a circle around all the other ships. That was uh, the reason for the APD. That was one of the uh, fastest moving ships we had. And uh, we got the signal to head for the shore, so it was full speed then. And the LCVP, the ramp was on the bow, 
So they went in backwards to put the bow, uh, drop the, the bow, and we'd hit a sandbar. And when I stepped off of the, the platform down that the nose was, I went underwater and I threw my rifle up in the air like this with my head and uh, did a dog paddle until I got where I could touch the ground. Then we went into sugarcane 15 feet high. It was like cornfield. And I had to find our way through that. We got the other side. Why, that's where we were told to set up our bivouac. Bivouac was the tent area where we all set up and, and stayed, lived, and uh, was there for several weeks. Then they decided to send us back to the States. So we started back to the States, and they dropped anchor in the Caribbean. Uh, the USS uh, Missouri uh, destroyer was uh, just been to uh, uh, Tokyo Bay, where they had signed the peace treaty, and they were having some target practice. So they, we watched them have target practice for a little bit. Then got a warning there was a hurricane coming, so we headed north, went to Brooklyn Navy Yard, got out of the ocean into the harbor, stayed there for a while, and uh, then headed back south to North Carolina again. And was back there a few weeks, and that's when they released me to feel active duty to stand by. And I'm still waiting to hear from them. I guess that's it. I can't think of anything else. Was there a reason that you choose the Marines as opposed to one of the other branches of of our military? I don't know. I guess I'd have to say as a kid, you know, you're always looking for something, a sharp-looking out fit by uh, uniform, that, uh, or dress uniforms were so much superior to what the Army and Navy was, the Air Force. Of course, they, they had to be a little different. And uh, I always thought as a kid, oh, if it ever comes my time, I'm going to try to join the Marine Corps. We came out of the theater, and they were screaming up and down the street about Pearl Harbor being bombed away. I just uh, decided then, as soon as I got old enough, I was going to join the Marine Corps. I've got a picture up here that uh, Carol has seen at uh, where our church, the girls in church were modeling wedding dresses from their aunts and parents and grandparents and so on. And while I was modeling, uh, while I was walking one of the girls in, my, uh, her mother took a picture. And uh, so it looks like a wedding couple coming down. I'm in my dress blues. And she was in her somebody's wedding gown. And uh, here, a few years later, I, she was about 16 at the time. She's now married and lives down in, lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But uh, she brought her fiancé here to see me one day to introduce me to him. And 
he looked at that picture and he just kind of gasped and he said, Elizabeth, I never knew you were married before. <laughs> of course, Elizabeth's mother was there and, and we all laughed and then she had to do some explaining what it was all about with uh, just a couple of dear little kids as far as I'm concerned. I see them periodically. We're really enjoying our time with Mr. Taylor, but we have another question or two. But before we get to that, let's take a break to hear a word from our amazing sponsors. Steaks, ribs, pork chop, oh my, hot dogs, hamburgers, and homemade pie. If you want great barbecue or quality meat, then shop at the place that can't be beat. Country Store and Catering in Sycamore has been serving up the community and countless plates for over 30 years. Country Store and Catering in Sycamore is the butcher shop that cooks. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Yuck, what do you know about love? We're only 10. Well, I know that if a person really loves you, they shop at the best flower shop in town. Carefree Flowers of Sycamore, they're simply the best. Well, considering you're going to get into so much trouble for picking mom's flowers from dad apart, you better call them today and have a new arrangement delivered or you're in big trouble. Uh-oh. And we're back. We've got just a little more time with Mr. Jerry Taylor, who has so kindly donated his time today to tell us more about his service in the United States Marine Corps. Mr. Taylor, is clear that your time serving our country is an important part of your life. What would you say is your most lasting, meaningful memory from your time in the Marine Corps? Well, it kind of be hard to pick one, one thing out, uh, but uh, seeing a lot of different countries was one of the things when I was aboard ship and where we were on guard duty and stuff. Uh, I en enjoyed the the country, the joy, enjoyed the people. Uh, it, it just, uh, most of them were just like down-home people to you. Uh, they treated so nice. I guess that would be probably one of the most things I enjoyed and remember. Wow, that was an amazing life you have lived, and we are so honored that you joined us today to share your story. We thank you for your time and your service to our country. Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed listening to today's visit with Mr. Jerry Taylor as much as we have. And the next time you have the privilege of meeting a veteran, please thank them for their service, but be sure to join us for our next episode of Spartan Chat. Until next time, go Spartans!